That was awesome. Did, wasn't that the song of the year a couple years ago? I think it was. John Mayer, what an incredible song. Um, I have a daughter, and that brings back some pretty amazing memories and uh, a lot of sense of material. Let me grab this a second. My, uh, my daughter, I, I have two older sons and then a daughter and then a younger son, and I'll mention them all here in a minute. But my daughter... Uh, when she was born, I literally thought, okay, next child up, and, uh, and just something happened. And it's been going on since she's been around. I'll never forget a few years ago. She's 17 now, but she was in middle school, and I remember picking her up from school and driving, and I could tell something was wrong. And I don't know what age it is you moms teach your daughters to say this, but I just said, what's wrong? And she said, as all women do as they become women, she said, nothing, exactly. But I could tell something was wrong. I'm like, listen, it's okay. You're not in trouble. I just want to know what's wrong. And she said, it's nothing. And, and she's on the verge of tears. And I said, well, just tell me. And she goes, I just, it's nothing. I just, sometimes I just feel like crying. And I looked at her and I looked out of the front and I looked at her. And I, she looked at me and we connected eyes. And I said, yeah, I got nothing for that. You're going to have to talk to mom on that one. Because here's the deal, there's those moments of like, I, I don't get it. And as a parent, there's a lot of times I don't get it. And I knew that from the very first time I saw my first son. My wife had gone, she was two weeks late with our first son and then went through 27 hours of labor. I know, I was exhausted. But she, she had this little dude and he came into the world and, and I don't know if you were in the room during that time, but they, they immediately took him, put him under a french fry lamp and cleaned all the goopy stuff off and took a blanket and folded him into a burrito. And then they handed him to me and I'm sitting here holding my son just in awe of this person. And I'm like, hey, and I, I remember saying this, like, hey, I'm your dad and I'll be with you for the, the rest of your life or at least my life. And I just, I didn't know what to say, but he couldn't understand. And so we just kind of had a chat and I just thought, man, this is amazing. And I'll never forget in that moment of just awe, looking up and seeing the nurses clean up and begin to walk out. And I remember going, hey, hey, where are you going? They said, um, we're done. And I'm like, uh, no, you're not. And they said, you'll be fine. I said, no, I won't. It's my first burrito. I don't know what I'm doing. And they said, oh, it's easy. They, they'll let you know. He'll let you know what he needs. And I'm like, I, okay, I don't know much, but I know he can't talk. What are you talking about? They said, the three, they'll cry. And there's only three reasons they're crying. They're tired. They're hungry. They got something in their pants. And they'll let you know. And I'm like, what? And I'll never forget that night. First night, about three in the morning, he cries, and I wake up in the room at the hospital, and I I'm, I'm go over, and I'm like, okay, okay, why are you crying? What's wrong? And then I, I went through the list. Okay, he's tired. Well, if you were tired, you'd be sleeping. Um, hungry. Okay, dude, you just ate just a little while ago, and then I thought, okay, the pants. And so I, 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 I undid the burrito, and I pulled open the diaper, and it just hit me. And I, I don't know when, but someone snuck in and poured tar into his diaper. And I'm sitting there and I'm in the dark. There's a little light from the hallway and I'm, I'm trying to find the wipes and I get them. I used an entire box of wipes on that first diaper and it's sticking to things and I'm just in the dark and I finally get it done and I put the di go to put the diaper away where the bad diapers go and, and I hear a whooshing noise. And I thought, what is that? 
And I'd, I'd, I would put it away, reach for the good diaper to put on him in this whooshing noise. And I'm like, what is I turn around to see what is physically impossible. My son, 21 inches long, first day of life, is peeing into the hallway, okay? And my first thought in my exhaustion was, was shock, like, oh my goodness. The second thought was, that's my boy, all right? So, and I finished up doing the diaper, but I knew from that point forward, my life is going to be a series of, I don't know what to do, but I'm going to figure it out. And here's the deal, in parenting and as in life, we're either going to endure life or we're going to enjoy life. And I'm going to use this, the backdrop of parenting on this, but it really is true. There's a verse in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 1. It says, my brothers, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all liberally and without reproach or without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Now that first statement, consider it pure joy when you encounter various trials. Well, if that is true, then 2020 must have been the most joyful year ever because of the trials, but it, let me just admit to those of you who maybe you're seeking and, and checking it all out, whether it's online or the atrium or in here, that that statement makes no sense apart from God himself. He's talking, my brothers, in other words, those of us who have chosen to follow God, consider it pure joy when this happens, why? Because God is in the process. And if we don't know what to do, ask for help because he's going to give it to you liberally without finding fault. He knows we're clueless. It's the author of creation that says, hey, I want to walk you through this life, and I want to do it with you. And the difference between enduring life and living from one happy moment to hopefully another happy moment versus enjoying the chaos that is this life is God, period. And there's three avenues that, that I want to just share with you to just kind of bring this into clarity. Um, I just got back from spring break. And let me tell you, oh, I feel really good right now. I spent a week with my family. The one who peed into the hallway is now engaged. And he's getting married in December. And I just had, we got to spend time with he and his fiance. She came down. My daughter had some friends. My son, other son had some friends. My youngest son had some friends there. And it was chaos but I've learned to enjoy it. Because here's one part, and several of you are gonna go, oh, I covet that. I maybe looked at my phone three times in the entire week, and it was fantastic. We sat in a circle on the beach with friends and just caught up. We cooked out, we went to restaurants, we laughed a lot. But on the way home, I use a device now on my phone called Waze. Do you guys know what Waze is? It's an app. It's a directional app. My wife used to mock me for it. She goes, you know how to get there. I mean, you've been to the airport a thousand times. You know how to get there. We've been to the beach a hundred times. You know how to get home. I said, yes, I do. I know how to get there. But I don't know what I don't know. And that's on the path. And sure enough, it happened on this trip. 
where it's an easy ride to get to 59, up to 65, 65 to 85, 85 into Atlanta and then home. And on 65, it literally had me exit off of the interstate. And, and if I'm sitting there thinking, why would it do that? I don't never, I never get off the interstate at this point, but I've learned to trust Waze because Waze has information I don't have. And it has experience that I don't know about. So we get off and we get up on these back roads up parallel with the interstate for a while. Find out there was an, an accident about 15 miles ahead that was shut down the entire interstate. We went around it, got back on and kept going. It saved us probably 30 to 45 minutes at least because I don't know what I don't know. And here's the deal. In this life, we don't know what we don't know. I'm so thankful that none of my children have a cognitive memory till at least two years old because they don't remember all those parts that I just screwed up. And I believe that's from God. But I also believe his truth and his truth when we take it, and this really is the first avenue to take, and that is God's truth. His word is living and active. And I want to give you one quick example of that in the, in the area of not just parenting, but parenting specifically. It says, let your yes be yes and your no mean no. Be very specific with that. And I want to go back to the verse I just skipped because here's the deal. God comes alongside of us and in Matthew, Jesus is speaking in verse 11. And he's like, hey, I know you don't know this. But here's the deal. I want to do it with you. I'm not just up there or out there. I'm right here. And when you invite me to be a part of it, I'm going to show you. I'm going to give you wisdom. And he says this. Jesus says this. I know because I've studied the hermeneutics and it's, it's in red. And it says, Jesus said. So I know it was Jesus. He says, come to me all who labor or are heavy burdened or laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Take my yoke. It's easy, and my burden is light. If I want that chaos to have perspective, I invite God into the middle of it. And one of those ways for many of us who have kids, have had kids, or will have kids is to say, okay, Lord, I want you in this. And I'll give you the one with the first avenue, God's truth. Let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. And, I, and that sounds perfectly clear on the surface, but in application, it becomes even more clear. And when God's invited in, he starts to show us how to apply this. I learned it from the second avenue. I'll get in a second, but somebody had shared with me, yeah, that means first time obedient. And I thought, what do you mean by that? And they're like, you know, we hear parents all the time. Hey, I told you to do this. Now, don't make me count. Don't make, I'm one, two, one, two, one, two, and they count to two 500 times, but they never get to three. And I'll never forget my second son when he was about four years old. And he literally looked at me, he goes, dad, the next number is three. <laughs> Almost like, should I tell her? Because obviously she does not know this. And we taught our kids. I'm like, yes, yes, no, no. If I tell you something, I mean it. I mean what I say and I say what I mean. Great application of this truth. But I also learned from my wife a different level of this. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. In other words, yes comes first. And this principle of try to say yes as often as possible. And I remember the situation in our kitchen where I learned this at a whole new level. My wife is cooking dinner. We are minutes away from dinner. And I'm telling you, my wife is brilliant 
on a whole different level. She's obviously the smartest one in our house, but she's brilliant. And the ice cream truck, I don't know why or how they know what time dinner is to come by at that moment, but it does. And the boys were like, oh, ice cream. Can we have ice cream? Can we have ice cream? And I was ready to stand in the gap for my wife and tell them, obviously, no, we're about to eat. We don't eat ice cream before dinner. And I was going to explain it to them. And yet my brilliant wife, she's like, oh, that sounds so great. And I'm thinking, she has lost her mind. She's cooked dinner. And she goes, oh, my goodness, what kind of ice cream do you like? And they started going off. And she goes, you know what? That sounds so great. You know what? We're going to eat dinner, but why don't we get some afterwards? Or better yet, why don't we go tomorrow when we have all the time and maybe invite some friends? And what kind do you want them to? What kind do they like? And she just got it. And she's like, oh, that's so good. I'm so excited about tomorrow and getting ice cream. They're like, yeah. She goes, let's sit down. Let's go wash your hands. It's time to eat. They're like, okay. And they went and washed their hands. I'm like, you are a genius. I would have just said, no, you obviously can't have it. No, but she learned, learned to say yes in a way that's encouraging. Do we not realize that God himself, I know he is patient and he is perfect, but he says, ask me anything because I'm going to give you what is best when it's best, but I want that relationship. That's God's desire. And I learned the relationship tool of saying yes if at all possible. And I made a commitment. I'm like, Lord, will you give me wisdom on how to say yes whenever possible? And I'll never forget my boys when they were little, like, Dad, will you coach our team? And I was like, whew, I love basketball. But everything in my mind had a thousand reasons why I could say no because I'm on tour and I don't know if I can do it and I can't make that commitment. And and yet I'd said, Lord, will you give me wisdom? And I sensed because I believe God lives in me. He's like, do this. I'll work it out. And I said, yes. Can I tell you that was one of the greatest yeses in my life? And I coached them for several years. And what I did not see, and I couldn't see how, God worked out with a friend who was going to be my assistant coach. That my schedule would lend to where I only had to miss like two practices. And I was going to be late for one game. And there were several times where I'm like, you know what? I've, I learned what importance was. I literally, there was more than once where I would have a show on Friday night. I would take the red eye home, go from the airport to the gym, coach the game, go back to the airport and fly to the next city. And it was worth every second of it. Because it's like, say yes. And there are times to say no, and I get that. But I've learned this also. There's another beautiful verse in Ephesians that says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, we do need to train them on who God is and how God is. And the best way is to experience that personally. But this I love that I was listening to a friend of mine one time. He, says, I want, he said, God just showed me that training and instruction of the Lord. God never expects us to do something that he doesn't train us and instruct us on beforehand. And my buddy asked the simple question. He says, am I just correcting my kids or am I teaching them and training them and instructing them? And I'm like, wow. It's so natural to just go straight to instruction and say, hey, you're, you're doing that wrong. Stop. But instead of stop and come back and go, well, have I taught them to do that? Have I taken the initiative to instruct them? 
Have I said, hey, this is how you do it? Now, hey, let's do it together. Now let's do it together again, but you take the lead. And now, at that point, they know how to do it and say, hey, can I offer some recommendations? That's become a norm in our world, and it is a joy now. My older two sons, I gave up golf for over a decade and a half. My two college sons, the one that just graduated and the ones that's in, in becoming a pilot right now, they love to play golf. And we've got a blessing. A friend of mine owns a golf course, and he said, hey, just come out whenever. And we go. And I love this teach, train, and correct. I'm not a great golfer, but I know some fundamentals because I've had lessons. I know more than they do. And I was watching my son one time just frustrated because he's an athlete. And he's like, why does it keep going that way? And after a couple holes, I said, hey, I watched your swing. Can I share an idea with you? And he's like, yes. Because we've had this pattern. I'm like, I noticed that when you're coming back, you immediately cock your wrist. Just take it back, turn your shoulder, and let it go. And the next drive, he crushed it. And the next one, he crushed it straight and crushed it straight. And he's like, Dad, I just got to give you a piece of advice. I'm like, what's that? And he's like, never give advice to your enemy in the middle of the battle because I'm going to beat you now. And I was like, and, and he doesn't understand that the greatest joy in my life is when he gets better than I do. And that's God's heart as well. I want you to have success. And when we get that teach, train, and correct, what do they love? Get in the middle of their world. I own a 14-foot John boat with a 15-horsepower engine and a trolling motor. I'm not a fisherman. But I own it because my youngest son loves fishing. And I've told him, I said, let's, let's do what we can. Let's get a boat. Now we're st- I said, once a month, we're going to do a trip. Trip at the beach. We went deep sea fishing. And I'm like, that was our trip this month. We're going to go to the lake next month and just get into their world. And I let him teach me. And I found when he teaches me, he is open for me teaching him. It is a level that I would not have gotten on my own. So not only do I learn from God's truth, but I learn from God's people. The second avenue is to be around others. And let me just tell you, one of the greatest experiences I had, and as I look back, the lessons that I've learned that I've applied over decades now has been from others that are further down the road or with me where I am. And I'm now learning from those who are even behind me as dads who know how to fish. And like, yeah, I can't wait to fish with my son. It's what I do. And I'm like, do tell. And I'm learning because there's something about being together. And the Authentic Men series that we're about to start, it's six weeks long. You don't have to be at all of them them or stand alone, but it it integrates all of that. And let me just encourage you, specifically those of you who are like, well, my kids are grown. Please consider being a part of it. Because there are several times we discuss questions of what we're learning at that moment. And to have a father's perspective to be able to go, well, uh, that's true but I would encourage you to think of it this way, is invaluable. And to get to that point where like we're we're sharing with each other, we're learning from each other, that is what God designed it for. He says, bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. For us to be doing this whole life together is it. One of the greatest lessons I ever learned about correcting and, and that when we get to that correcting part, to teach, to train, and then correct, was from a friend named, I'll call him Bob, because that was his name. And Bob, he had this, this idea of correction. He says, he says, correct like a German, celebrate like an Italian. And I'm like, 
what, what are you talking about? He says, well, Germans are very matter of fact and to the point. He says, when they mess up, just deal with it head on as quick as possible, as immediate and as head on as possible. He says, pull them aside and correct them and be very clear about it. What do we do wrong? What's the punishment? Let's get it over with and let's move on. And he even said with smaller kids, he's like, listen, he said, I, I don't know what your form of discipline is, and, and we don't do it f just in the spur of the moment, never out of emotion. He says, Germans have very little emotion. He says, but we have strict rules. And with the little ones, it's like, okay, what's the consequence? If I don't do that or if I do this, I get a spanking. Okay. And he says, you know what? Go to the bathroom. Go to the bathroom. What did you do? What's the consequence? All right, let's get it over with. And then he said, I would I'd just spank them. He said, I always hit my hand to make sure that it was the right amount. Spank them, then go, okay. And he says, then I'd give him a hug. And we prayed, God, help us remember not to do that again. Because we don't like spankings. And Lord, thank you for your forgiveness. And let's just move on. In Jesus' name, amen. He says, then it's over. He says, discipline like a German. He says, celebrate like an Italian. And I, I've, I've stole this from him. He said, my daughter came home one time. She was struggling in this class. She studied really hard, finally made a great grade on a test. It was right before dinner. And he says, you have got to be kidding me. She goes, no, I did. She said, he was like, get in the car right now. She's like, why? She says, we're, we're, we're going for ice cream right now. But it's dinner time. I don't care. Get in the car. And he said, he took her to the restaurant where they had the ice cream, and he said, what's your favorite kind? And she said, chocolate. And he goes, I want a triple chocolate cone. He says, here's my little seven-year-old with a three-stack ice cream. And he's like, do you? And he, he just announces to a restaurant that could not care less, to a teenager that did not know what he was talking about, saying, do you know, do you know why we're celebrating? She just got a 90 on this test, and she struggles. She is the most brilliant child ever, and she deserves this ice cream. And it might, it's melting all over her hand, and she's eating it. And they come home with chocolate everywhere. And he said, celebrate like an Italian. Make sure that those moments are memorable. And I'm telling you, it's brilliant. I've learned this from my friends, and I learned it from watching others as well. A buddy of mine said that his dad took him on a trip once a year, and they'd go to a sports game or they'd go camping there, go do something they both wanted to do. With my two sons, and now my daughter and my youngest son, once a year I take them, and I have a rule on that trip, unless it is illegal or immoral. I'm going to say yes. And we have had some memories. We've had car rides we are like, don't tell mom. <laughs> but we'll never forget it. Can I tell you those memories? Get into their world and say, you know what? Anything, anytime, together is it. And I've learned these from my friends. I was actually doing, um, I, I don't even remember Thomas the Train when my boys were little. They loved it. And they're like, Daddy, every time I come home, can we play Thomas? Yes. And I'd sit down and build a new track with them. It was awesome. Years ago, I did some events with the NBA, and I met Shaquille O'Neal. I'll never forget one interview he did after a game. Shaquille O'Neal, seven foot two and massive man, one of the guys is interviewing him around his locker. He's basically there in a pair of shorts, just got out of the shower. And, and, and one of the guys said, um, Shaq. He goes, yeah. You're, are your toenails painted? He said, yes. And he's like, okay. He said, why are your toenails painted? They're different colors. He goes, my daughter loves to play beauty shop. 
and she wants to paint my nails. So I let her paint my nails. Now I'm thinking, I don't know, he's got a size 23 foot. I don't know if you knew that. I'm sure she uses like a paintbrush for those nails. But I mean, it was so nonchalant. He's like, yeah, but I don't understand why that's a big deal. And I thought, that's a dad. Anything, anytime, together. And just that, that heart behind it. And, and that interaction is monumental. I remember with my boys, they love basketball. We have a court in our backyard. And I'd play him in the backyard for bedtime. If you beat dad, you get to stay up an extra 30 minutes. In the beginning, it was quarrels. And it was like, come on, man, I'm open. I'm like, I can't get it past him. And then they figured, one day they figured it out. Dad cannot guard us both at the same time. And they started spreading out. And they started winning. And I, my heart, my definition of winning changed over the years from scoring more to I wanted them to win by one every time. And then we started playing one-on-one and my boys got older and much better. I'll never forget when my second son was in his eighth grade year. He was very good. He'd played varsity as a freshman. And, and we'd play in the backyard and, and he won by one every time. And he'd done that for probably two years by that point. And he was like, Dad, I want you to really try this time. I mean, I want you to really try. Because I want to know when I beat you that I beat you. And I know what you've been doing. And I was like, I I didn't have the heart to say, man, I've been trying for the last year and a half. And you've been killing me. But he's like, I want you to know. Because I want them to know that I want you to win. That's where my heart is. Because the third avenue, yes, we need God's truth but it's not enough. You can read it cover to cover and it's not enough. And yes, we need to be around other believers and that's great. And I encourage you, if you're not a part of the men's group, it's gonna be on Zoom. You can clue in with some friends there. It's even better to be in person around the tables with others and that is great, but it's not enough. The third avenue is the key and that's God himself. We need God himself with us in that. And, and the incredible part is that that's God's heart to be with us. In Psalm 46, 1, it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. God wants to be in the middle of the chaos. He is our strength. He is our fortress. It says in James 4, 8, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, draw near to him, and he will draw near to you. We have to have that relationship. He's longing for that. And and I would just say this, ultimately, here's the deal. God says, when you invite me into your life, I'm there. And several of you, I would even say probably the majority listening or watching, God's there But are we drawing near to him in the chaos? Are we asking him for wisdom in the chaos? Are we inviting him into the middle? I want to share you my favorite prayer as a husband and as a parent. It's two words. God, help. And he does. Every time. In Jeremiah 33.3, it's probably the verse several people refer to as God's phone number. And I would encourage you to pray this. Call to me, God says, and I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. When we come to that point where Jesus says, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock, 
If you open the door, I will come in. As a 13-year-old, I remember, and I didn't know I was praying. I was just talking to God, but it turns out that's what praying is. I said, God, I know you're real. And, and I do believe that Jesus did what he said he did on the cross for my sins, and I know I've messed up. And I know I'm not perfect. And Lord, I don't know what it means to open that door or how to open it, but Lord, I ask you, please come into my life. And he did. He says, to as many as receive him, those he gives the right to be called the children of God. It's a relationship. And when I accepted him into my life, was I perfect? No. Because I didn't know what I didn't know. But I love this part where God says, I will come in and live with you. I will live in you. In the book of Romans, it talks about how God says, the power that raised Christ from the dead, that power lives in you. Am I connecting with that? Because here's what I've learned from my relationship with him and my relationship with my kids. More will be caught than will ever be taught. And as I, with Christ, say, God, what about this? What about COVID? What about when 90% of my schedule disappears? What then? And God gives wisdom. What about when I don't know what to do when my daughter was three and diagnosed with cancer? What do I do? What about when my wife is just not connecting? Lord, what do I do? How do I get there? And I've learned this over and over to the point where I'm like, I want to be doing life together with God at every step, every day. What am I worried about today? God, here it is. Will you show me what to do in this situation? To where now my sons, I love this about them. They've, they started as we began to teach, train, and correct to where I would be doing a task or whatever. And they're like, can I help? I'm like, yes. I had a valve on one of our toilets that needed to be changed, a little seal. And my youngest son said, can I do it? I'm like, yes. And we went to the store together and we got the valve and we did it together. He has an incredible mechanical test, uh, talent. But to just do that with is everything. God wants us to do that with him. Say, God, come into my world and be that part. So I want you to think as well, I close in a word of prayer, and then we had a really good song, because I tell you this, parenting will keep you young. But to invite God into that, whatever you're going through right now, get that greatest frustration in your world and pray one of two prayers. If you've never invited God in and you don't have that relationship, I want to encourage you and challenge you. Invite him in. Say, God, I, I need you. It says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart God raised him from the dead, he, we will be saved. He will come in. And he says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. What is that area in life that we need to draw near to him today? Get it in your mind. Father, I pray for those who are watching or listening right now. And I pray that we would take that part of our life right now and realize your truth definitely speaks to it. And you will use and speak through friends who, who know you. But ultimately, we need you. Use whatever it takes to draw us to that wisdom. We ask for it now. And we thank you that you're willing to give it liberally without finding fault. Thank you for your grace. In the name of the Jesus 
and the power that raised him from the dead that lives in us who believe, we pray. Amen.